Pastor Xavier Reese and the comforting simple truths of confronting sin. Listen to Proverbs 28, 13. He who covers his sin shall not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. I love that verse. It's a promise. And you who have been injured, you're coming in the hope of being open that God would put it all together. Very, very, very important. You confront in truth and you confess truth. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. One of the biggest history lessons, and apparently one of the hardest ones to learn, is that of which the philosopher George Santayana is credited as acknowledging. Those who fail to learn the lessons of history are doomed to repeat them. But this was a lesson not lost on the prophet Jeremiah, though. He was a prophet called upon to warn the treacherous southern kingdom of Judah of the consequences of the unrepentant northern kingdom of Israel and their resulting captivity by Assyria. Let's listen now as Pastor Xavier uses the second sermon of Jeremiah to illustrate three elements that are vitally important for God to recognize genuine repentance. God has just finished, as you know, indicting Judah for her sin and her shameless, adulterous behavior which was treachery against Yahweh. This is the first sermon of Jeremiah that runs from chapter 2 to the fifth verse of chapter 3. That's the first sermon. But the second sermon of Jeremiah begins in verse 6 here of chapter 3, and it goes to the end of chapter 6, making it the longest sermon in the book, revealing God's love, loving heart as He offers the nation repentance. What we want to do is look at Yahweh's message of repentance to uh, Judah and observe three elements that are necessary for true repentance to take place. Let me read our text as long, so bear with me. Uh, 3, 6, it says, The Lord said also to me in the days of Josiah the king, Have you seen what backsliding Israel has done? She has gone on every high mountain and under every green tree and there played the harlot. And I said, after she had done all these things, return to me. But she did not return. And her treacherous sister Judah saw it. Then I saw that for all the causes of which backsliding Israel had committed adultery, I had put her away and given her a certificate of divorce. Yet her treacherous sister Judah did not fear, but went and played the harlot also. So it came to pass through her casual harlotry that she defiled the land and committed adultery with stones and trees, and yet for all this her treacherous sister Judah had not turned to me with her whole heart, but in pretense, says the Lord. Then the Lord said to me, Backslide in Israel has shown herself more righteous than treacherous Judah. Go and proclaim these words towards the north and say, Return backslide in Israel, says the Lord. I will not cause my anger to fall on you, for I am merciful, says the Lord. I will not remain angry forever. Only acknowledge your iniquity, that you have transgressed against me, your uh, Lord your God, and have scattered your charms to alien deities under every green tree, and you have not obeyed my voice, says the Lord. Return, O backsliding children, says the Lord, for I am married to you. I will take you one out of the city and two of the family and will bring you to Zion. I will bring you shepherds according to the, uh, my heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Then it shall come to pass when you are multiplied and increase in the land in those days, says the Lord, that they will say no more the ark of the covenant of the Lord. 
It shall not come, out, come into their minds, nor shall they remember it, nor shall they visit it, nor shall they, uh, it be made anymore. At that time, Jerusalem shall be called the throne of the Lord, and all nations shall come to it, to the name of the Lord, to Jerusalem. No more shall they follow the dictates of their evil hearts. In those days, the house of Judah shall walk in the house of Israel, and they shall come together out of the land of the north, the, of the land of which I have given unto an inheritance to their fathers. But I said, how can I put you among the children and give you a pleasant land, a beautiful heritage of the host of nations? And I said, you shall call me my father and not turn away from me. Surely, as a wife treacherously departs from her husband, so you have dealt treacherously with me, O house of Israel, says the Lord. A voice was heard on the desolate highs, weeping and supplications of the children of Israel. For they have perverted their ways, they have forgotten the Lord their God. Return, you backsliding children, and I will heal your backslidings. Indeed, we do come to you, for you are the Lord our God. Truly in vain is salvation, hope for in the hills and from the multitude of mountains. Truly in the Lord our God is salvation of Israel. For shame has devoured the labor of our fathers from our youth, their flocks and their herds, their sons and their daughters. We lie down in our shame and our reproach covers us. For we have sinned against the Lord our God. We and our fathers from our youth even to this day and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God. If you return, O O Israel, says the Lord, return to me. And if you will put away your abominations out of my sight, then you shall not be moved. And you shall swear the Lord lives in truth and judgment and in righteousness. The nations shall bless themselves in him, and in him they shall glory. For thus saith the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up your fallow ground, and do not sow among thorns. Circumcise yourself to the Lord, and take away the foreskins of your heart, you men of Judah and hands of Jerusalem, lest my fury come forth like fire and burn so that no one can quench it because of the evil of your doing. Yahweh's message of repentance here to Judah has three elements that are necessary for true repentance to take place. And these must exist in every relationship that's out of sync and out of kilter and they're so vital to ourselves because the Lord is the one who lays it out for us. Let me give them to you here. First is the confrontation of truth and love, verses 6 through 13. The confrontation of truth and love. Secondly, the expectation of hope through love. And that's in verse 14 through 22, halfway through it. And thirdly, the communication of faith by love. Rest of 22 all the way to verse 4. These are critical. They're essential. They must be there. Otherwise, what we have is cheap grace and sloppy agape. And that's what's happening too much in the church today. We are not practicing biblical repentance in many ways. So I think it is of imperative value for us as a church to pay heed to what God speaks through Jeremiah. Let's begin with the first element here, the confrontation of truth and love, verse 6 through 13. The failure of Israel and Judah are proclaimed by Yahweh. In verse 6, Yahweh tells Jeremiah the prophet to observe Israel's harlotry. The date, as you know, is in the reign of Josiah. This is one of the few uh, dates that we get 
In the scriptures here, he reigned from 639 to 609. Israel had been taken captive, as you know, already the northern kingdom, 722, almost 100 years ago. And they were there in captivity in Assyria. And Israel's sin was spiritual adultery. They had turned their back upon God, the marriage relationship, and they had played a harlot. And these terms are repeated over and over again. The fact that they played the harlot, the fact that they were backslidden, the fact that they had been treacherous and unfaithfulness speaks over and over and over again. Now, she had been giving herself over to these gods of fertility, the mountains and the hills. This was a problem that had preceded uh, the northern kingdom. Amos chapter 3, chapter 4, Hosea chapter 8 speaks about it, and many other passages. And they got caught up with the calf worship, and then they went into all the Baals, the ashrams, and everything else. And one thing led to another. One thing about sin you must be sure of, it's never static. It's always progressive, and it's always downward. And you have to be careful. Now, notice in verse 7, Yahweh describes his willingness to take her back even after her unfaithfulness. So make, make sure you mark the love of God. Okay? It, it, is, it is committed. He says, Yahweh asks Israel to repent. Return to me even after her pollution. And the word return here is a key word to the entire book. Making the condition of the nation backslidden, unfaithful. You find it in verse 7, you find it in verse 12, verse 14, 22, and 4, 1. And in fact, no other prophet makes use of this word in its root form more than Jeremiah. The root appears 125 times in the book, and 20 of them are found here in verse 3 and 4. The word turn and return. That's what the word repentance means, to turn around. You're in sin and you're headed with sin that way and you, God convicts you and, you and you turn, you repent, you turn around, abandon your sin and you go towards God. That's what repentance means. You cannot say you repent and keep going the same direction you're going. And too often we're confusing that in the church today. Judah had turned her back on God and she turned her face towards idols. Israel did not return but refused to turn from her sin. An ongoing rebellion. And so she was marked as treacherous. Judah, her treacherous sister, was a witness to Israel's rebellion. She should have learned from her, but she didn't. You as parents understand that if you have children, if your elder child begins to get kind of funky and everything else, your concern is for the younger children, that they follow his example. But then when your younger child walks in the same step, they obtain greater guilt because they have no excuse. They've had the example of the consequence and everything else. And so God picks a real identifying point where we can identify. We, we can enter into His grieving, if you will, over the heartbreak of His people. Look at verse 8. Yahweh recalled His painful divorce to Israel. Uh, for all her backsliding, He put her away and she went into captivity. As I said, 722. Uh, he's already spoken about uh, the marriage and the divorce in chapter 3, verse 1 through 5. But here, forged in the same bent, Judah played the harlot. She went the very same direction. She, she is called a treacherous sister due to the very fact of the intimacy of the marriage relationship. And she was acting deceitful and unfaithful to Yahweh. Yet Judah, notice the reason. She did not fear, it says, verse 8. So she played the harlot also. So the reason is clear. Judah did not fear the Lord nor the consequences. Rather than learning from her sister in the north, she imitated her. And it's always a problem with individuals, whether they take heed to the warning of others or whether they will 
sin view and despite the example of evil in others. And that's always a choice, people. We are not robots. We are not guaranteed automatic. You cannot put it on an automatic pilot. If you have to exercise your will to be saved, you will have to exercise your will to continue to walk with God. It is not automatic. I wish it were. Boy, it would be easy, wouldn't it? I like going down the freeway cruise control. Can't do that in the Lord. Now, this had taken place during the reform of Josiah. It's evident here. And the result was a superficial and sincere repentance. Josiah had turned in uh, uh, 621 down to 609 as a period of his reform. But uh, the people were insincere. It was hypocritical. We're going to get the sermon that he's called to uh, pronounce in chapter 7 in the temple. And he says, the temple of the Lord. Don't say the temple of the Lord. You guys are a bunch of hypocrites. And uh, kind of reminds of our Lord when he went to the temple and drove everybody out. Uh, same thing. The word of the Lord first came to Jeremiah, as you know, the 13th year of Josiah's reign in 626. And the reform of Josiah took place five years after his call. When Hilkiah, his father, found the book of the law in the temple, and then Josiah proclaimed the reform in 621. And so God was calling Jeremiah five years before to prepare the thing, and the reform had already run some years, and the superficiality of it was being seen by Jeremiah. And God is exposing it. It's not what you see, Jeremiah. They are not repentant. They're playing games. Look at verses 9 and 10. Yahweh charged Judah with her sin. While Israel, through her casual harlotries, mark that, casual harlotries, had defiled the land and engaged in spiritual adultery with the fertility cults of the stones and trees, Judah had not turned to Yahweh. Casual harlotries. Today, it's casual, you know, oh, I had an affair. You mean you committed adultery against your mate? Oh, no, I just had an affair. Oh. Judah was not turning to Yahweh with a whole heart. Here's the problem. But only in pretense, and therefore became treacherous to Yahweh. You walk with a half heart. You walk without a whole heart. And you will walk in pretense. And you and I will become treacherous. She was deceiving through what? Hypocrisy. Remember the scribes, the Pharisees? Mm. When you come to verse 11 through 18 of chapter 3, the message to Israel and Judah from God was repentance despite their failure. Despite their failure. Look at verse 11. God's verdict of Israel was that she had shown herself more righteous than treacherous Judah. Why? Judah bore the greatest guilt. Because she had the example of her evil and she did not learn from it. So she became treacherous. Treachery can only take place when it's someone who you love and you trust and you allow close to you. You go out and make an investment and you don't know the person he rips you off. He ripped you off. He wasn't treacherous. But you have your brother-in-law and you trust him and he rips you off. That's treachery. He's family. She served Yahweh half-heartedly instead of with a whole heart. And Ezekiel picks us up in Ezekiel 16, 44 through 52 and also chapter 23. And so you have Ezekiel in Babylon and he's dealing with the same issues. You have Jerusalem, uh, Jeremiah, and they're dealing with the same issues. And the false prophets are saying in Jeremiah and Jerusalem, no, 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 we're not going to go to captivity. And Jeremiah says, yes, you are. In Babylon, Ezekiel's saying, hey, listen, get married, build houses, pray for the peace of the city. You're going to be over 70 years. The false prophets are saying, oh, no, we're getting out of here quick. And Ezekiel and Jeremiah are working hand in hand. And you can cross-reference their, their, their messages. Interesting. Look at verse 12. God invites Israel to repent. 
The prophet Jeremiah is told to go to the north and proclaim return backsliding Israel as the proclamation of his, listen, steadfast love, hesed. His faithful love, it's a covenant word that we have seen and studied over and over again. God is so faithful, he pursues. Now Yahweh would not cause his anger to fall, it says. Literally, cause my face to fall. Why? Because he is merciful and his anger would not be forever if repentance took place. There's a condition. Often we hear from the pulpit today that salvation is unconditional. Let me say that it's absolutely wrong. Salvation is very conditional. You ready for the condition? You must repent. It's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you your life of sin. Notice verse 13. God declares the requirements for repentance. These are important. Uh, the recognition of one's sin. Only acknowledge your iniquity. First John 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin. And cleanse us from what? All unrighteousness. Secondly, the acknowledgement that sin is against God. That you have transgressed against the Lord your God. Literally it says, know your sin. And it's against God. Sin is primarily against God. Then against people. Thirdly, the confession of the specific sins. Notice, and have scattered your charms to alien deities under every green tree, and you have not obeyed my voice, says the Lord. You must be specific. You deal and you confront people with truth. They are in sin, you confront them with the truth. Whether they want to acknowledge it, it doesn't matter. The confession is specific sins. Do you remember Nathan the prophet, he came to David? Where he had committed adultery, got Bathsheba pregnant, killed her husband, everything else. And he gave him that parable of the man, the little lamb. And then Nathan pointed his bony prophetic finger to David and says, David, you are the man. And David was broken. Because he confronted him with truth. If you are hoping for your mate or your friend or whoever it is to repent from sin that they're in, you must confront him with the truth of their life. Oh, I don't want to offend them. Yeah. Well, they're going to hell. You think you're going to help them? Now, at times when individuals are confronted with the truth of their sin, they deny it or they justify it. Listen to Proverbs 28, 13. He who covers his sin shall not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. I love that verse. It's a promise. Whether the individual admits to the truth of their sin or not, it must be confronted and it must be done with the right attitude. This is important, okay? Listen to Galatians 6.1. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in the trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness or meekness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Okay, so here you are. Your maid has blown it. Your maid has committed adultery or somebody's offended you this and that, whatever it may be. Then you have to go to them in the very same manner that you would want to be confronted. You must go in meekness. Though you are hurt, though you've been betrayed, whatever it is, but you go in meekness. And you lay it before them. You may even approach it by saying, you know, I, I, you know I've heard some things, some people have been saying this, and I don't know if it's true, and you know when I want to nip it at the butt, I, wanna, I want you to affirm it or to deny it. One of the two. I'm coming to you with the truth. For repentance to be scriptural and biblical, there must be a confession of sin. There must be. There's something by you confessing your sin. Lord, forgive me for my adultery. Lord, forgive me for my stealing. Lord, forgive me for this. And then to the person, whoever. 
very, very specific. And you who have been injured, you're coming in the hope of being open that God would put it all together. Very, very, very important. You confront in truth and you confess truth. And you deal with that in the grace of God. Repentance takes place by the confrontation of truth and love. Notice secondly, verse 14 through 22 in the middle. The expectation of hope through love is next. In verses 14 through 18, first of all, the passionate plea of Yahweh to Judah was that she might repent. So he stays on track. Your goal is repentance. You hit it from every side. There is a play on words here. Turn you, turn away once. <laughs> they turned their back on God. The right of God to the people is based on what? Look at the marriage covenant. For I am your husband, literally your Baal, which literally means Lord or Master. The context in this section is future. When Yahweh will take from one city, as it says here, the remnant, two from a family, and bring them to Zion. Often, you know, in the scriptures, there's short-term fulfillment, long-term fulfillment. But the ultimate fulfillment here is there is a very short-term fulfillment. And it doesn't even the specific, but the ultimate is the kingdom age. Because we'll see that the content and the context doesn't allow it to be fulfilled any other time apart from that. Notice in verse 15. The promise of Yahweh was to, if Judah repented, he was to provide shepherds. Those who had a heart of God to feed the people of God through their gifts. And we as pastor teachers are here to instruct you in the word of God that you might think and meditate and contemplate on what God is teaching you and what he desires of your life. That it might give you insight to how to live life and how to walk with God. That's our goal. That's our desire. Look at verse 16. The prophecy will be fulfilled in the kingdom age. When they are multiplied and increased... In the land, says the Lord. That hasn't happened yet, okay? Only partially. The specific time is declared to be in those days. A phrase that is used for the kingdom age. In those days. Look at verse 19. The preserving passion of God's love is declared here. Yahweh says, But I said, How can I put you among the children and give you a pleasant land, a beautiful heritage of the host of the nation? You see, Yahweh's love for Judah desired to bless her. And give her the promised inheritance, but his heart is grieved. Why? Because she is living in an unfaithful state in disobedience. He cannot reward her. Parents, listen to me. Listen to me well. Do not reward the evil of your children. Do not reward the disobedience of your children. For you will be part of their destruction. You discipline them. You hold them accountable. Otherwise, you're part and parcel of their destruction and their sin. Yahweh's hope for them was to treat them as sons and daughters. But they only call Yahweh Father in name while denying Him in lifestyle. Listen, there are a lot of people in the church today who come to church. But they're living for the devil. Somehow they have deceived themselves thinking, well, you know, I go to church, I go to good church, and, you know, we read the word. And, and this, But if you're living for the devil, if you're not being obedient, if you're like Judah here, well, to you, there's greater judgment for you. Pastor Xavier Reese, illustrating with the prophet Jeremiah's sermon to the ancient nation of Judah, a message for all times. The wages of unrepentant sin was, and always will be, death, and destruction. 
Now, if you've missed any part of today's message, you can hear it from beginning to end again anytime online. Just look for today's date when you click on the radio listings link when you log on to CalvaryChapelPasadena.com. But if you prefer your own personal copy, as always, you can pick up a CD of today's study for just $4, and it's titled, God's Broken Heart of Love. And this might be a helpful study you'd like to pass on to someone in your church or Bible study when you're through. Now, once again, the title to ask for is, God's Broken Heart of Love, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make a request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. The laws of sowing and reaping represent a very predictable and accepted cause and effect. Learn what it takes to reap the righteousness of God right here next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 